Hi, this is Cody Daigle-Oriens. So this week's episode is a special one. It is our very first Bearded Fruit Live, recorded live at the Charter Oak Cultural Center in downtown Hartford, Connecticut, on February 17th, 2017. Now, for our first live show, we invited three really special people to join us. Mark Richards, the reigning Mr. C.T. Bear. Shona Curtis, a queer photographer whose stunning portrait exhibit, To Be Real, is running through March 10th, 2017 at the Charter Oak Cultural Center Gallery. And Tio Escada, the father of the fabulous House of Escada. Our three guests joined us to discuss identity as activism, how their queer communities engage in queer activism, how they connect their queerness to their other identities, and how being out is in itself a form of activism. So we're incredibly grateful for Mark, Tio, and Shona for joining us for our live show. And there's a special shout out from both of us to Heather and Mariana, the Charter Oak event staff, for running a flawless event for us. And we want to extend a very special thank you to Sarah Logan, who generously donated to our live show all the way from Texas because she's a supporter and fan of the podcast. Thank you, Sarah. We love you. So here it is, Bearded Fruit Live. This is Cody Dagalorian. This is Neil Dagalorian. And welcome to a live episode of Bearded Fruit. Yay. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that we uh, Yeah, you're allowed to clap. Yes! Thank you. Yes. That's what I'm screaming. Um, yeah, we are here at the Charter Oak Cultural Center in downtown Hartford, Connecticut. Um, I know a guy here. It's you. <laughs> it's me. It's literally him. Uh, to do our very first live episode. And we are we have uh, a small but valiant group of people who came to join us. Uh, and we're going to have a really awesome time. They don't, the, the people listening to this on the internet don't need to know that. <laughs> Whatever. Um, we've I'll sold out the Bushnell tonight. <laughs> That's right. We've sold, there are a thousand people here. And they're all very quiet. <laughs> cooperation <laughs> teamwork makes the dream work um so before we bring folks up um i read something today that i just wanted to to chat a little bit about because this really connects to our uh, our personal lives um so ricky martin uh had an interview with andy cohen on uh, uh what happens live okay and he said that he met his fiance on instagram i mean that's one way to do it yeah he's like i was checking out my, uh, I was like checking out my feed, and he saw his artwork, huh. and thought it was really lovely. And then I guess he checked him out, and thought he was really lovely. And straight then they, up, asked then him they, to marry then him. they were like, sort boom. of private messaging for a while. And wait, now wait, they're going. Did you say that Ricky Martin just slid into his DMs? <laughs> yeah, that's, is that what happened? That's exactly. What that's happened. amazing. Um, Dreams do come true. <laughs> so yeah, and so that now he's married, and uh, now they're going to be married, and um, I. Wanted, uh, the reason I wanted to talk about it um, is because of the way we met. So we we met on we met on Growler. We actually tell people that we met through a mutual friend while I was on at a conference in Omaha. But I, what I don't tell people is that the mutual friend is Growler. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to be fair, though, like at least you were in the city that I was residing. That's true. Like yeah. at least it wasn't one of those like um, who are you three thousand miles away? We should date. Yeah, no, which that, is totally a thing. That is a thing, but we didn't do that. I was actually in the city, um, but. I guess I, I wanted to just like briefly, but since it's it's how we met, um, like to, to chat about the the ubiquitousness of 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 apps and the way that like queer, the way that a lot of gay and queer couples sort of connect via non traditional means, mm-hmm. or or like are those means now just the way things happen? Well, okay, so. It's funny you mention this because I was just talking to this to the, the director of the Housatonic Museum of Art yesterday. Um, <laughs> but really, I was. Um, but it, what's interesting to me is that um, really it's just new technologies being used for the same queer things that we've been doing in regards to coded language, in regards to um, how we communicate with each other in ways that are very public and very private and intimate. Because um, really, I just think of I just think of that as um, like. 
honestly, I, I see things like that, like hanky code. And for people who don't know what hanky code is, it's, it's um, a form of communication between um, gay men where they would wear certain colors of hankies and other accoutrements um, in their pockets signifying what they're looking for or what they aren't looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, it's just a sim- similar thing to that where it's, it's in a public forum. It's in a very... Um, it's, it's very visible and it's very accessible to people who know the language but otherwise yeah. don't look for it. Um, and I, I was thinking specifically about like how um, there are certain hashtags on Instagram. Oh God, I did that. Um, there are certain hashtags yeah, on like Instagram. Instabear. Um, Instabear. I'm thinking even like Tummy Tuesday is a big one. Oh yeah, where yeah, it's right, like right, right. Um, people people post pictures of themselves shirtless and showing off their tummy and things like that, which is like a total bear thing, total like um, due to like Belly's thing. Um, and it's out there. It's out there in a very public forum. Instagram is accessible to anybody, mm-hmm. and yet. It's intimate. It's private. You you don't yeah. see it unless you look for it. Yeah. Um, and there's something really interesting about that. Um, so I, I like the idea of Ricky Martin kind of engaging in that. Um, but there's also something really funny that he's queering a non-queer space. Like, Instagram is a non-queer space. Yeah. And yet here he is using it to find love. I think everybody should do that. Everybody Find love on Instagram? Yes. Go out there <laughs> into I mean, the world. Yeah. Okay. Click we on some on hashtags. Broward. I mean... Click on click on that profile that um, will promise you a thousand more followers and start a conversation with them. I, well, I, I like that that like those uh, because when you talked about hanky code, I, I actually I wear one. Um, I have a hunter green left pocket. Who so bought you that hanky? You did. Thank you. So hunter green left pocket. Google it if you have to, and then call me. No, um, <laughs> I mean that would be fine. Uh, Totally forgot. I, there I was. I was totally living my whole so fantasy. Uh, no, what I think is interesting is that the, those things that used to have to happen in in clubs, like that that gay gay men for for us, we would have to go to clubs or meet each other in sort of very secret ways and use those those things. We still do similar things in the in the more open spaces of like the apps. We, and there's there's language and things that are specific to profiles that come up again and again that signal. A certain kind of interest for other men, and we oh my god, bear code! Yeah. Is anybody like that? Is like some real early? Wet. I was like thirteen when I found out about bear code. Um, if you're a thirteen year old listening to this, don't. Um, but it's like this like string of numbers and letters that says exactly the kind of bear you are. Because I mean, pictures can't suffice. Um, we need numbers and letters. Um, but I remember like finding generators and being like, "Do I consider myself moderately or kind of hairy?" Yeah, I don't. I it was, that was too complicated for me. <laughs> it was way web too forms are too complicated. No, I mean no, no. I mean like the the bear code was way too complicated. It looked like like math, <laughs> like ancient know. Sumerian. Like, but it's really helpful. It's very specific, and and I like that about it. I like that it mm. was like super very specific. You could find a, you could really say exactly what you were looking for and what I'm you really wanted. Hoping for like a B five or B six, then you're a B three and that's not yeah. gelling so um so yeah good and i hope that ricky martin is going to be happy with his instagram husband mm. i'm happy with my growler husband yay thank you oh thank you thank you're you. welcome this is great too because now like we do so many visual things when we normally record this and now people are actually watching it can actually see um, them and yeah. see how see that terrible yeah. we are anyway so um we're going to bring up to, well, oh, you're not really seeing them, but we're going to bring our guest on, uh, three people who I'm really excited to have a conversation with. Uh, and they're going to tell us a little bit about their work and their life. And we're going to talk a bit about the connections between their individual stories and their individual work and how that works into both queer activism and also queer representation. And that will be sort of the, the overarching theme for our conversation here tonight. So please help me welcome... Mark Richards, Shona Curtis, and Tio Chapman. So we, we, we do this, and then it sounds in the microphone. It works. Thank you all for coming tonight. Thank you, boys. Yeah. So, like, yeah, make sure that you're, like, getting in there so that we have your, like, marvelous voices, uh, but they should pick you up. Um, so I wanted to start, uh, if we can, I want to start just have you introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about you, what you do, and uh, who you are. I'll start. <laughs> I'm Tio Escada. Um, I am the father of an organization called the House of Escada. Um, I'll... Just personally about me, 
I'm 35 years old. I'm a Pisces. Um, <laughs> I'm a very outspoken person. I'm funny. Um, basically, what we do in my organization, I don't know if you want me to go that far yet. Yeah, um, hold on. Hold on okay. to that. We'll, we're going to come back to, to, to right. Escada. Um, so I guess that's basically me in a nutshell. I'm just a cool, laid-back, talkative person. All right. Uh, my name is Mark Richards. I am Mr. Kennedy Capare, 2017. Um, I am the fifth person to get the Mr. Kennedy Capare title. Um, I am helping True Colors, who is my benefactor, um, which is a uh, youth organization that helps um, wayward gay lesbian teens. Um, and uh, on a personal note, I am a complete gamer. I LARP, um, which any of, any of you that don't know what that means, look it up. And um, she's over here laughing. Great. Hi, Heather. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, um, so that's, uh, that's me in a nutshell, a uh, big, uh, beefy bear nerd. So go ahead. Uh, I'm Shona, Shona Curtis. I'm a photographer. Uh, I currently have a show downstairs in the gallery here at Charter Oak. What can I say about myself? I'm a shy introvert, and yet I'm here. And the one thing I'm talking about is uh, my work. So here I am. Well, thank you, so, thank you all so much for coming. Really, I'm very excited to, to not only talk to each of you about the things that you do, but also to find these connections uh, between them. And um, I, I guess I want to start... Activism means a lot to us as a podcast. Uh, actually, Bearded Fruit was going to end. We were going to stop doing the podcast, and then the election happened. And uh, Neil was the one who said to me, like, we, we have to keep doing this because it's important. And uh, that I feel that there are a lot of people in the queer community who now feel that activism is now an incredibly important thing to undertake. Um, so I want to start with, with Mark and talk a little bit about... Um, about the, the, the role of Mr. C.T. Bear and also the, the things that then, how, how you're turning that into activism. How does that, you're using this position, tell about what the position, like what it is and give a sense of it and then how you're using that to, to act. Okay. Um, well, there's a couple different things you need to know. Uh, number one, a bear is somebody who is comfortable in their own skin. Um, whether it's, Hairy, whether it's smooth, whether it's big, whether it's small, it's somebody who is just comfortable. Um, so with um, gay youth, we find that they don't, they're not really comfortable, they don't fit, they don't feel like they're, especially in puberty, it's just they don't, don't feel like they belong. And I felt the need to bring True Colors into that because, I mean, they're bears in training, essentially. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm also trying to, um, on a federal level, get the gay blood ban lifted. So, um, you know, if any of you don't know that, look it up. But, uh, um, and that's, yeah, that's what I'm doing with, with my, any other questions no, on? there'll be more. Good. There'll, there'll, yeah, be, more. there'll be more. Oh, there'll boy. be more. She's not done with you yet. Good, good. <laughs> so, so, Tio, I know that, um, you know, for, for he's mentioned briefly the House of Escada, and it's it's that's part of ball culture. So if if you're familiar, I think most people understand understand ball culture because of their awareness of Paris's burning, uh, that the 1991 documentary about ball culture in New York. But um, the I'd love for you to talk a little bit about about the House of Escada, and as I know that you guys you guys like here at Charter Oak, you'll, you have, you'll have a ball here on March 4th, uh, but the, the ball isn't just an opportunity for the house to gather, but you also use it as a tool to, you use it as a tool for activism. So if you could talk a little bit about, about the house and then how it's used as activism. Okay. So, uh, the house of Escada is basically a, a group of, uh, gay, lesbian, transgender, um, people that come together and what it kind of represents is, kind of like a real family. Uh, so um, just to piggyback on what Mark said, a lot of um, people at that stage aren't comfortable and they aren't accepted by their family. So what a house does is kind of represents your family. Um, it's just basically your friends made up of your family. So it's older people um, like myself 
that uh, take younger people that aren't accepted by their family and act as, as if I'm their father. And then you have a mother of a house where it's just, you know, like it's advice. Um, it's teaching them different things. And uh, what a ball is, is it's just an event where different houses and different groups of people come together. And this is, it's basically like a celebration, but they compete with each other also. Um, so those people come together um, and they're from different states and different houses represent different things because you have different types of people and people from different backgrounds. They come together, they compete against each other, they compete in different states. Um, and the most interesting thing for me and the way that I use it is most uh, gay people don't have the, the typical family. So I know I, I'm, not probab I'm probably not going to um, have three children and a wife or any of that, but... Probably. That, <laughs> well, you never know. <laughs> you never know. You never know. <laughs> Fair. But uh, what it does is just it allows me to have those people where I can mentor, I can um, stray away from the mistakes that I made growing up, or just to feel included, to feel like someone's there that they can come to and talk to. Um, and... We also, um, by hosting events, we also use the money to go to different places and we'll have tables set up where uh, we hand out condoms, where we talk to different people about uh, different diseases and just help them or encourage them to get tested and things of that nature. So that's what I find very interesting about it. It's, it's basically a big culture, but it's, 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 it allows us to help different people that may not have those resources. And I and I know that that is also a common thread in in the bear community as well. Like the, as as a community, it's really the community really supports everyone who's inside it. But as a whole, the community does work to does work to work for causes, and, and they work together to help others and and those who are in the community. Yeah. It's um it's known as chosen family. It's known as chosen family. It's the family that you have decided to build out of your community. So. And then now, now, while I don't, while while Shona's work as a photographer, because you said it before we started, you don't necessarily see it as as activism. Um, I, I would love to hear you talk a little bit about your your work, the the, the stuff that motivates your work, and um, how you see it connecting to your queer identity. Okay, um, I guess as far as being an activist, I guess. What I, I'm all about authenticity and bringing my true self to, you know, every aspect of my life. And being queer is definitely um, one aspect. Um, and I'm, so I'm just very much out um, in any, in every respect. Most of my friends know that. Um, and I've been out for 30 years, so I'm fairly likable. <laughs> so, you know, people can't like, they can't hate me really. So if they have trouble with someone who's or whatever, it's, uh, you know, try to hate me. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's been my um, experience, you know, early on anyway. Um, so as far as that goes, I think uh, maybe leading by example and just being who I am and, um, and definitely the, the queer, uh, queer identity seems to fit me much more so than just, you know, being a, a female lesbian and just, get, just sort of all-encompassing. And, and queer wasn't really... Uh, a term we I grew up with, you know, it's sort of a, a later thing. But I like um, I like the fluidity of uh, gender and sexuality, and um, I mean, all aspects of ourselves are fluid. I think so. I really like to play with that in my um, in my portraits, you know, because we're not all one thing. Um, so that's you know, doing portraiture is just uh, an endless way of playing with those um, seemingly um, juxtaposos, juxta, that's a hard word, <laughs> different qualities. <laughs> it's easy for you to say. Yeah. <laughs> that also works. Well, and, and so Shona has an exhibit called To Be Real, which is downstairs in our gallery. And so after we're finished, if you want to take a look at it, we'd, we'd love to have you come down and look at it. Um, something that I... That, that strikes me about the work is that the, the portraits are incredibly intimate and you really capture 
the authenticity of the person who's on the other side of the lens. And um, I, I don't know if that's possible unless you are like authentic and relatable. You really have to create a very intimate connection. And so no matter that, that idea of you know, that your form of activism is, is just being a queer person that others can relate to and connect to and, and like and love, um, that really comes through in your work because it's essential for you to capture people the way that you do. Uh, and really, the portraits are striking. If, after, when we're done, definitely take a look at them. They're, they're extraordinarily beautiful. Um, um, I would describe them as arresting, um, personally. Uh, that's my, my graduate degree coming out. Um, but anyway, uh, w w what I think is interesting, too, is just the notion of visibility as activism um, and authenticity as activism, because we're, we're talking about a culture that otherwise suppresses us um, as queer folks and otherwise tells us certain ways that we're supposed to be um, and I, I feel like all three of you, to a certain extent, do that. Like, you do that in, in your own unique ways, and that's what makes you beautiful. But also, um, sounded really inauthentic of me, um, but, but also, um, there's, there's something really important about that, about, um, especially with, with, with uh, Tio and Mark talking specifically to youth, um, it's, it's, it's really hard, as literally the youngest person here, um, it's, it's, it's hard to really connect with youth. Um, and I, I've worked with queer youth uh, um, before at various ages. Um, it, it's hard to connect with them a lot when um, they're still trying to figure out who they are. And to a certain extent, we're always doing that as human beings. It's the fluidity of identity. Um, that, that, that's just how, how we work. We're always figuring out who we are. Um, so there's something really powerful about somebody who just is and is who they are and is successful at being who they are. There's something really powerful um, about that. And uh, I could go on and on and on about childhood queerness and the taboo that exists there where queer adults are not allowed to be around children because they're queer, even though queer children exist. Um, and I could go on for that. I won't. Um, but I think there's something really powerful about that specific brand of activism that's maybe not as loud as the Women's March, maybe not as loud as ACT UP, um, but is still so important on an interpersonal level. Um, so I think it's really great what you guys all do. Um, and I think that's something that is easy to um, do in our everyday lives. I think that's something that anybody... Not, not that anybody can do what you do, because it is special. I'm just saying it's something that people can take tools from um, in their everyday lives, and I think that's really great that you do that. So I, I would love, for, bouncing off of that, I would love for each of you to talk a little bit about how you, how you came to the community that you exist in. Your, that moment, the, the moment or, or the experience that introduced you to the community that you're now in and and representing and working through uh how how did you find your tribe your individual tribes within that this this larger queer community umbrella does anybody want to, who wants to anybody? i can okay. i can start okay um i was about 14 um and there was a step show here in hartford connecticut i had actually went to i had another friend that i actually was really close to, we were best friends, and we went to the same church. Uh, we both told each other about each other, and it's kind of our secret. Um, he was a few years older than me, so he had other friends, and at that step show, I actually met those other friends. So we started to hang out that night, and it was a weird feeling because these were older men at that point. They were close to being grown, 18, 19. I was the younger one, and I, at that point, wasn't comfortable with my sexuality. I knew that I was, but I just wasn't ready to let everyone else know. Um, they were comfortable at that specific time and what they are, and I met them, and uh, one of them um, throughout the night was like, oh, you're going to be my gay son. And at that point, I'm like, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> like, I just kind of like brushed it off. Um, but over time, we became close, and... They invited me to an event, and I was going blindsided. I had no idea what a ball was at that point. And I went, and I actually became close to uh, the couple of guys that I had met that night. They became like my family. And I became so close to them because I was able to talk to them about everything that I was not able to talk to my family or my straight friends about. Like, I wasn't able to express anything that was going on. So I kind of learned from them. 
And um, sad to say, the one that actually made me um, his gay son, he actually passed away uh, about five years into our, our friendship. Um, he passed away. And I think at that point, I went to a couple of events, but I never ever stuck to going like regularly. Um, when he passed away, um, it was one of those things where I just looked back and was like, I, I no longer had that one person I can talk to about everything. And then I, as I got older, I started seeing like other people that were younger coming out. I knew they were in the same predicament as me. And I just felt like when I, when I went back to actually go to the ball culture and be included in it, I just noticed at that point, I'm like, I've always been like an outspoken person and a leader. So I was like, this is like my calling. Like, this is something that I want to do is be that, be that friend to an un uncomfortable younger person that is not comfortable with what's going on in their life and they're, they're not aware of it. So that was kind of like my time where I was like, okay, this is for me. Ever since then, I've been a house father. How did you find the bear community? Um, well, when you originally posted that question, I got the biggest grin on my face. It was amazing. So I used to try to be a twink. I used to try to be the I don't even the, I don't even have the bone structure for it. Oh, didn't we all, but, honey? I never did. You're fabulous the way you are, don't change. But and that's the point. Um, I I got to be 190 pounds, which was great except for the fact that I looked ill. Um, I was shaving everything and eventually I just got lazy. I said, all right, I'm done. I'm not shaving anything anymore. I'm not, I'm not plucking, I'm not waxing, I'm not doing any of it. I gained 40 pounds of muscle and muscle, quote unquote. And, um, and then um, I just, I, I stumbled on the bear community one day. Um, somebody looked at me and he was like, you're a bear. You should go talk to the Ursa men. And I was like, okay, yeah, I think I'll go do that. And um, I found the Ursa men. They took me under their wing. And uh, I, I heard about the Mr. Connecticut Bear, about two, uh, the contest, about two years ago. And the rest, as they say, is history. Um, so, yeah. How did you find your queer tribe? Oh, goodness. Um... Can I add a follow-up question to that, too? Why photography? Go with tribe first, and then... <laughs> yeah, well, um, the, the photography is that that counts too. Well, I guess you know, as far as tribe goes, um, I'm part of a couple of tribes. I um, I find my queer tribe within the in the communities that I uh, circle in, um, primarily the artist community, which um, fairly new to being part of an arts community. For some reason, I've always felt because I'm a photographer, not you know. A painter or something. I'm not quite an artist, um, but now I've, you know, accepted that identity. Um, so of course, you know, you get people that are in the arts communities that are obviously gay and queer and everything, anything goes, kind of thing. Um, but I didn't have really a community uh, for a very long time, as far as uh, okay, any community. <laughs> Did I mention I was a shy introvert? <laughs> and also, I didn't ever feel like I fit. You know, when I first came out, it was like. To be a lesbian, you had to be, you know, butch, or, you know, I'm just too little to be butch. I just couldn't carry it off, and I wasn't that good at sport. You know? <laughs> I feel like you're saying my story, except, uh, <laughs> except, except for the, the too small. That has never been my problem, but, like, I feel like we have the same story, Shona. <laughs> this is why we like each other. This is why we hit it off immediately. <laughs> well, we all do. I mean, I think it just took me a long time to find my place I just feel like an outsider anyway, you know. Um, I think as an artist, I just, I like to, see, you know, observe. Um, but I very much feel part of uh, my arts community now and um, also my spiritual yoga community, um, very embracing and open, you know, all about authenticity and uh, whatever goes. Um, and now, um, actually much more so, I think because I'm more comfortable just being who I am and in my skin that, that you know, I've really taken on the queer you know, I'm just open, I guess. I love taking on the queer. <laughs> a new play. I'm. That's like my new mission. I will be taking on the queer all the time. Taking. I constantly. I'm like the. I. <laughs> queer is your carry-on luggage, girl. 
If yes. it's under the seat Queers or above, may, yeah. contents may have shifted. I'm currently wearing a Sasquatch. <laughs> like, queers me. I have a fan. This is totally <laughs> random, but go with me. I have a lace like fan at my desk at work. So when someone gives me sass, um, I can respond thwarp. with a thwarp, a fan thwarp. <laughs> so I feel the need to say Sasquatch is spelled S-A-S-S because people can't see that right now. Oh, yes, it's a visual um, pun. Yes. For yes. all of you Sasquatch. lovelies on Sasquatch. the internet. It's a vid- vis- I saw this on Instagram. <laughs> Literally. No. It's my Instagram. And husband. he screenshotted it and sent it to me and then spent like $35 on yeah, it. Yeah, I, I was like, like no, it's cool. We don't have a gas that. bill or anything. Because <laughs> a big queer Bigfoot is literally me. That's literally, that's my life. That's actually how you walk to like a video where it's just like. <laughs> that's my life. That's your signature runway walk that will make you famous. So I, the. You talked, Shona talked a little bit about this, and I would, uh, I would love to kind of have all of you discuss it. Um, she, the, the idea that, that queer is just one of the identities that you inhabit, and we belong to other communities, and we find queer people in the other communities that we're a part of. Like, I relate to that really strongly. Um, because a lot, like, I have a theater background, and so most of my friends growing up were, were theater friends, and, and that was the community that I lived in, and I had queer people inside that community. So I would love for you to talk about the other communities that you exist in. I know, Mark, you earlier said that you, you, you identify as a gamer, and, and how do those other identities that you inhabit, how are they impacted by your queerness, or how do you feel like your queerness helps that identity or deepens it or furthers it? You mind if I take this one first? Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, so I said before that I LARP, and I have been doing that for 16-plus years. Um, I have f- the deepest relationships, the deepest friendships I've had are people that I can literally go into battle with. I know it sounds strange, but f- fighting with foam weapons you're in that moment and you're in that mind space where it's, it's literally death or not. Um, so <clears throat> the way my, my queerness actually comes out in the LARP community, number one, they, they're totally cool with me as far as being a queer man, as far as um, being a bear. Um, they actually, they've, I, I get messages probably weekly saying, hey, we miss you, when's your next bear event? <laughs> but... Um, uh, but I think it actually helps me create my characters and create fun and interesting scenarios. Um, and it also helps me be a little more outgoing with my characters and more outgoing with the things that I'm doing during that activity. So, um, yeah. All right. For me, um... Honestly, I'm not really like a... I guess I'm really like just an old, boring person. <laughs> no, honestly. Uh, besides I don't that, believe that for a second, girl. <laughs> okay. I, I don't either. I've been, I, I've been to a ball. You are not. Lies. Yeah, I don't I won't buy say that, that for I'm a second. I'm an old, boring person, but I am very... I've just actually started to... As I get older, I'm starting to get more open-minded, like she uh, stated earlier. I think as I get older, I'm starting to uh, be comfortable enough to be in other things or try uh, different things. I haven't been in the past, so that's probably why I wouldn't say that I've been uh, part of different, you know, groups or I just haven't. I've been, I'm like one of those people that I go from work, home, I'm in a relationship I have been for about seven years now, and Besides, like, uh, the ballroom culture, which is kind of like my hobby on the side, I, I just live a normal, yeah, I'm very boring. Would you say you're homogenous? And, <laughs> and what's so funny to me about that is I, I have been, I, the, last year, the House of Escada had a ball here, and it is anything but boring. I sat in the back there, and just the whole time I was like, this is the most amazing ever seen this is the coolest community of people and there was nothing boring nothing boring about it at all but I, but i, I do I really close-minded yeah so 
close-minded in the case of trying different things. But at, like I said, as I get older, I'm starting to like look into different things. Well, maybe I want to try this or, you know what I mean? Like the bear thing, I, I'm totally just listening because I've never had so much information. Oh, I'm putting it. you up on that stage next time. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're a contestant, you don't know. You would totally win. <laughs> like you could, you could win. Would like you would be it. amazing. But yeah, I'm just, I just haven't tried a lot of uh, different things, so. That's more so what it is. Shona? Well, I just have to say, I have to Google a whole lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> we'll supply a resource list. Yeah. We'll have a glossary online after that. <laughs> We're going to have footnotes. It's going to yeah. be lovely. Um, uh, what was the question? The other, like, your, how do your other, the other communities you belong to and the other identities you inhabit, how do they uh, connect with your queerness? Um... I mean, I guess, you know, just, I just am who I am in, in no matter what, uh, what community I'm in. And, you know, sometimes I'm the token queer, which is fine, you know, because I'm absolutely comfortable. And, you know, I, I will assume that um, someone is accepting, you know, they have to prove me otherwise, you know. And I think if you assume someone's going to be okay, they kind of, like, have to meet you there, <laughs> you know. Like, Out of oh, pure uh, obligation alone. Right. <laughs> I'm assuming you're okay so let's continue this conversation. Um, yeah, it's 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 um, it's typically not a, a it's a non-issue. I'm, I I live in suburban Connecticut, grew up in suburban Connecticut, so I was often the the only one I felt or whatever. Um, and it's not such a bad thing anymore, you know. I've I've now have my tribe, my queer tribe, enough people that can constitute a tribe, I suppose. Um, so it's, I, I get that, those needs met, you know, like some, you know, someone who's queer just gets you on a level that someone just can't, you know, right? Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just, it's fluid, you know, I'm just, um, I enjoy, I don't mind being the only queer, you know, in the neighborhood, <laughs> so to speak. Um. So I would, um, I'd be interested to hear you guys talk a little bit about um, about being being out and out and queer, especially right now. You know, I think that for a while we, those of us who who are out, were feeling pretty comfortable because it was feeling like a pretty gay place. You know, America was feeling we were we were we were heading toward the gay land, um, and. It, <laughs> Is that near Candyland? <laughs> or are it's we talking out, like no. Narnia? It's, like... No, it's just out near stores. It's, <laughs> it's not far from Willamantic. Too real. Narnia's out of the closet, isn't it? Willamantic oh. is not Gayland. Um, oh, no. no. Um, but but in, in, this, in this moment now, we're now facing a shift in American culture which, which feels... Like it wants to push us back into the closet and make us invisible. Like we, we're, it, there's this feeling that culturally they would like us just to go away. And each of you lives your queerness in a very open space. And I would love to hear you talk about uh, how, you, how you relate to being open and, and the responsibility of being open and how important that is to you to be an openly queer person in the world right now? Yeah, I, I think it is important. Um, and I'm, I'm going to continue just being who I am. And, and certainly on that aspect as well. Um, and I think I'm, I have a healthy dose of denial about, um, you know, being on the chopping block. Which, I, you know, healthy denial is okay. Because I'm just going to act as if. It's no different, and again, assume everyone is going to be as cool as they've been. And, yeah. You know, that's that's just going to be my approach, I guess. I'll go. I'm 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 one of those people. I I kind of hate to say it like this, but I'm very confident. So I I think after or as I've gotten gotten older, um, once I got past that uncomfortable stage, and to me, the hardest part was letting my mom know, um, because that's who I respected the most. Once I got past that point, I, I just live like, I have this idea where I'm just me. 
like accepted. There, I think as a person, people are gonna like you, and some people aren't gonna like you. Some people aren't gonna accept your ways. Some people aren't gonna accept your ways. I just think the world world is made up of all different types of people and what they accept. So I kind of just go in every situation like I'm gonna be myself. There's gonna be some people that love you. There's gonna be some people that don't like the way you are, and I just accept it. So I just kind of go about it like that. And I'm, I guess I'm not. Um, I'm not one of those people that is flamboyantly. Uh, so not every day does people are like, you're gay, you're gay, you're gay. I think uh, the way I live, like do life and just work and things, I think people have an idea. And if they ask, I'll definitely tell them. Um, I don't have a problem with saying it or you know, acting like myself. I just think that I'm not uh, that flamboyant where it's, it's questioned so much. So it just kind of feels normal. Um, uh, I, um, I feel like that's a concern, but I don't feel like it's as much of a concern in Connecticut. Um, I, I worry about being persecuted for being gay. Um, I also, moreover, worry about being persecuted for being in a triad, um, because I'm in a three-way relationship, um... So, in that aspect, um, like, Shauna, like Shauna said, um, a healthy dose of denial, you know, um, and just positive outlook and hope for the best, you know, because that's really all we can do is just take it that everything will turn out okay. Well, and I think even beyond that, just being here and participating in things like this. I mean, I know I feel this way about, about the podcast that, you know, out there, it's out in the world. We are, we are gay as fuck in the world because of this podcast, you know, like, I'm sorry, you're gay. (laughs) The jig is up. We're getting a divorce. (laughs) Oops. Uh, But no, but the, the, the willingness to, to come and speak openly about your life in, in a room of strangers uh, and in public to, to own that is, is a form of activism. It's 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 an important form of activism. We're we're seen, we're heard, we are demanding to be recognized as 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 people in this society. And and so just just being here and continuing to have, and having these conversations is a very powerful form of activism. And um, healthy denial aside, it, it's it it's an action. Like being out now feels like an action. Can I talk about the privilege of geography for a moment? Yes. <laughs> so I'm from Nebraska, uh, and um, we, we moved to Connecticut when I got into grad school at UConn two years ago, three years ago. And for context, I'm from Louisiana oh, originally. Oh, yeah, so... Um, <laughs> yeah, oh, God. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> right. so, so like, like, for me, there's, there's a lot of internalized stuff that I feel doesn't always exist um, in folks who are born and raised here. Like, I, I have plenty of queer friends who are from Connecticut, and I feel like they have a very different relationship with themselves and even, to a certain extent, their bodies um, than I have, literally just because of how the cycle of socialization works. Um, but I think uh, something that's really important is, is looking at where we physically are in, in regards to parts of the country, in regards to even parts of the state. Like, y'all been to Enfield lately? It's scary. They got Confederate flags up there. They They don't have Confederate flags in Omaha, Nebraska. What's up with that? Anyway, it's and on Confederate flags, I like people in people in Connecticut who have Confederate flags. I'm like, not only are you racist, but you're a poser. You're like from fucking Enfield. What? How? Why do you have a Confederate flag? I wasn't aware that Enfield was part of Georgia. Like, get the get the fuck out of here. No, you won. No, <laughs> like, it's bad enough that you're racist, but racist and like being a, like a poser—that's. Look, I can excuse done. racism, but poser. No, I don't excuse racism. Let's be very clear. No, we're not excusing racism, but poser racist—that's. It's even problem. worse. It's even. It's like, even worse. You're not even good at racism, like. But back to what you were actually saying. I didn't mean to derail with that with my Confederate <laughs> like, flag rant. So, so there's there's something like 
in terms of context and meaning, being out and loud here, radically different than being out and loud in Nebraska, which a lot of my friends are currently doing, and I love them for it. Um, but that doesn't mean that being out and loud here is less important, um, because Enfield. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think there's, there's something to be said about, contextually speaking, where we are in our lives, physically as well as emotionally, um, that's something to always consider. And like, we're both planning trips right now back home um, to our respective homes, and it's literally like, well, shit. <laughs> like, that's it was hilarious. True. We were in Nebraska when the Supreme Court judgment came out that um, ratified same-sex marriage across the country. And it was literally like, we woke up one day and we were married again. And <laughs> it was really cool, but also like, well, great. <laughs> Like, um, it, it's great that, you know, our, my state legislature couldn't support us, but, you know, thanks, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Really appreciate it. Um, and it was like, a, it was a surreal experience because I remember you and my mom were talking in her kitchen. I'm just like on my phone and I'm like, hey, we're married again. Yeah, I mean, we, so. we left Hartford married and we arrived in Nebraska not. Yeah, and it was the first time and since being married that we had been not married uh, yeah. suddenly. And, and there's, there's something really... There was something really kind of eerie and powerful about that experience of suddenly becoming married again. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, and like to, to geography, because I grew up in, in Louisiana, and um, there's a part of me that really that envies um, having grown up here and people who are like from here and who are out and who have always lived in this place that feels so sane compared to home. Um, you know, I was a teacher in Louisiana, and I was out, and I thought I taught a theater program. Big surprise! <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, the gay guy taught theater, um, but I was an audition program, and so I would have parents every year call prior to auditions. They would call my school and my principal to find out if the theater teacher was gay, so that they could decide whether or not their kid would audition for my program. And I always thought, uh, a gay theater teacher is a plus. Like, you want a gay guy teaching (laughs) your theater class? (laughs) That should help the process? Okay, I think it depends on the gay guy. Um, I was very good at it. Um, But, but, you know, the experience is very true to me. Being queer in the South was a nightmare. And it was, was, there was a lot of just internalized. You have to make sure that you you present as masculinely as possible and you have to make sure that nobody nobody knows and I, I still carry some of that bullshit here but um, but we've lived here now for two and a half years and I have already put my foot down we are never <laughs> returning to the south under yes, any circumstances daddy. particularly now and um, you, like this this the, being queer here feels very different than it did there, and in, in the best possible way. Like, like Connecticut has been great for us. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Connecticut. Yeah, thank you, Connecticut. Appreciate- Except for you fucking Enfield. <laughs> <laughs> Connecticut welcomes you. <laughs> I always, like, just shake um, my fist when I'm driving to pick someone up at the airport. I'm like, ah, Enfield. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take the mic now, I can remove it from its thing. Um, does anyone have anything you want to ask anyone on the panel? We would love to have you engage them in some questions about about either ball culture or Mr. C.T. Bear or Shona's photos or being a photographer, anything that we've talked about. Anybody? Anybody? Nebraska. <laughs> Let me do my best. Um, Donahue. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> That's fine. Um... I'm going to be Sally Jesse Raphael. Uh, and every, I'm glad you know who she is. Anybody? Anyone? I'm sorry, I'm 12. Who was that? Hi, I'm Tim. And I just wanted to know about any future events also. So if you could keep posting them, that would be great. Yes, we will. Actually, we will probably do another Bearded Fruit Live uh, next month, toward the end of the month, and it'll be focused on healthcare. Uh, we're going to work with uh, the Hartford Gay and Lesbian Health Collective, and we're going to do a whole panel on healthcare issues with uh, queer folks. I'd also like to take this opportunity to um, talk about uh, March 4th. The House of Escada, legendary. Did I say that right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, you're, you guys are having a ball. Yes. It's going to be amazing. You're bringing back realness with a twist, yes. which was 
everything. <laughs> it was everything because, like, literally, it's just these dudes, and we're like, "What the hell is going on?" That's the twist, girl. <laughs> I was snatched. I was bald. <laughs> I Neil has clearly watched RuPaul's Drag Race one or two times. <laughs> Hold on, we have something on here. Okay, bye. Hi, can our panelists talk about how your straight allies within your non-queer communities, how they have helped you or hurt you? I mean, uh, uh, they hurt you, I suppose. They're not a straight ally. But (laughs) um, if you can talk about how straight people interact with queer people and how that has affected you and who you are and what you do. Uh, For me, um, I will say... um, just being around different straight people and the way uh, some of them, especially the negative ones, um, kind of like interact in the things that they do say, to me, I, I, I use it, it makes me a stronger person. I think someone can say anything to me and it probably wouldn't affect me at this point, uh, just because maybe not um, directly to me because I'm a bigger guy, so I don't look, I don't look too intimidating so I guess I I get I hear conversations on some of the mean things that they do say about gay people and I've I've stepping up and actually had conversations or back and forth with them in regards to it I just think that all of it kind of makes me a a stronger person so that's how it affects me personally I uh, I've had conversations with a couple people and actually created allies through that Um, there was quite a few times I've told people, yeah, you know, and by the way, I'm gay. And it, it turns out they're like, wait, what? You're gay? It's like, yeah, guys, come on. Really? You didn't, you couldn't tell. But, um, I, vernacular is amazing. Anyway, um, but I've, like I said, I've created some allies and my allies, my allies helped me a lot. Um, so, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, my my allies are great, dear to my heart. So, yeah, same same here. I've uh, um, I find that when people don't know I'm gay and they find out I'm gay, um, like in, like let's just say my yoga community, they really want to support it. Like they get all excited. They're like, oh, you know, like I'm a an ally, you know. So it's kind of sweet. Where's my cookie? <laughs> I'm an ally. Where's my cookie? Okay. Don't don't we get toasters for that for converting right. allies? Yeah. I got a Jello mold. Maybe that's a Nebraska thing. I don't know. Yeah, so I I, I think it's sweet actually. People um, sometimes when they find out, they're so excited to, you know, how's your uh, girlfriend? You know, just <laughs> that sweet. part kind of bothers me though. <laughs> it does. I hate when I tell people that I'm gay and then it's just like, I guess because I don't like. It to feel like it's such a I'm an alien so when I tell people I kind of get it bothers me that they're so like it's not that they're excited that it bothers me because I'm excited for anybody to want to be a friend but I hate that they use it to the point where it, it feels like I'm special like okay you're gay so oh I'm so happy and you're this you're supposed to act this way like I get a lot of times, and I use this as an example, I'll tell, like, a girl, like, I'm gay, and she's like, oh, you're too much of this way. You're not really gay. Or, like, they expect you to be, like, super flamboyant, so they start to use different words, like, girl, and I'm, I have to stop them. I'm like, I'm gay. I love men, but I'm not, like, a woman. I accept who I am. So it works both ways. There are people that I'm that I feel like, you develop a really good relationship with once you give them that information and there are really supportive people. Then there's people that kind of just separate you at that point of telling them you gay. And I guess that is one thing that kind of bothers me. I don't feel bothered by that at all, actually. I think it's it's people's way, either gay or straight, that they need to um, bring it to their level. And I think that's that's their way of doing that, though, is bringing it to something that they can grasp and understand. Um, so, Well, when you also get to know, um, like if you meet a specific, I just don't like the labeling. So when I meet a straight person, when I meet, a, let's say, a straight person, 
I'm directly talking to them and getting to know them for the person that they are. I guess I don't use like them being straight as a box that I'm putting them in. And I guess I personally feel on the other end that sometimes it's like I'm telling them that I'm gay, but they're throwing me inside of a box. I have to expect you to act a certain way or I have to expect to treat you a certain way because you told me that you're gay. Hmm. So I guess that's the part that bothers me. Yeah, and um, speaking of putting straights in a box, um, there is a huge difference between straight people and the straights. Trademark. Like, there's a difference. And, like, my oldest brother is the straights, where they're terrible human beings. And I kind of had to choose between whether or not I'm going to be out and open or live the way they want me to, which would mean not being with Cody. Like, literally, that's what it would mean. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Like they um, <laughs> for Christmas, so we they live far away, and we skyped in to open our Christmas presents that Neil's mom sent us, and they were there, and uh, the the their children, his his our nieces, because we're married, so legally it's our <laughs> That's nieces. That's how it works. That's how it works. Our nieces were allowed to meet our dog, but they no one acknowledged I was there. Now our dog is fucking adorable, so. <laughs> I was like, no, that's fair, cool. Ophelia our is dog amazing. Does take all of the attention. You do in the want house. to meet her. She is one to be met. But yeah, like they were, they were able to meet the dog. It was important that they met the dog, but not that they knew who I was or even talked to me. Yeah, and the first thing Scott said over Skype was, "Is it even cold enough up there for her to be wearing a sweater?" And I'm like, "How dare you come for my yes. daughter's fashions?" Uh, she's going to wear a sweater because she's fierce in it. Yes. <laughs> yes, she looks great in a gray plaid. <laughs> Damn. Anybody else have something for anyone on our panel? So last thing just for each of you to respond to. Um, <clears throat> now you're serving me Ricky Lake. <laughs> Are you saying I'm... What are you... What? Ricky Lake? Hold on. No, she was an amazing... She was an amazing talk show host. I would love for each of you to sort of respond or, or just give a, a final word about um, how people can connect to the things that you do, uh, to connect to your community, just really briefly. How could they find more out about about each of your worlds and the things that you do so that if they're interested in following you and supporting your work, how can they do that? Oh, well, I can be reached on on Facebook, um, Tyron, T-Y-R-O-N-T-O, and the last name is Chapman on Facebook. Um, also, to get more information or to kind of take a look, uh, if you have access to YouTube, there is a station called Ballroom Throwbacks. Um, has a lot of different videos for you to kind of go and check out. There's different interviews. Um, it's kind of the uh, updated version of um, Paris is Burning because that's the first thing that everybody kind of knows. Uh, but it, it basically shows you this generation of how the ballroom culture is. So that's something to go and take a look at. Um, well, how to reach me and my organization is uh, through probably the Facebook page, Mr. Connecticut Bear 2017. Um, also, the Ursa Men, I work hand in hand with them. The uh, website is ursamenne.org, if I'm not mistaken. I hope that's right. Uh, sorry, Dave. Uh, and, um, yeah, and just uh, look us up and find out what events we've got going on. So, yeah. uh, I have a website, um, www.shonartphotography. Uh, that's S-H-O-N-A-R-T, photography.com. Yeah, work that. Work that word art into your name. <laughs> And uh, Facebook page, uh, same thing, Shona Photography. And um, after we're done, Shona's exhibit, To Be Real, is currently running in our gallery through March 10th. Uh, we'll let you show you down there. If you want to check out her work, you should, and maybe she can uh, tell you about it. And uh, there's also a price list. If you love something, we'd be happy, and she would be happy for you to take it. Uh, and then House Buy of Moscato will, will be here on... March yes, 4th. Uh, just to add, March 4th, we will be here. Uh, there is an event. Uh, yes, last year, there was also an event. Um, there was also an event held here also. So it's March 4th. Uh, starts at 8 p.m. Um, so if you will be interested in coming out, if you do um, give me some information as far as hit me on Facebook, I'll be able to provide you with an event page where you'll get all the information. 
And I, I, I'm transfixed by this postcard. This, Mark. this just <laughs> in, handed down from the newsroom. Yeah. Uh, so, and then, and then Mark will be, uh, you're throwing a toga party, right? Uh, April 15th. April 15th, yeah. At uh, York Street Cafe in New Haven. As long as you aren't broke, come on over. I'm here. sorry I can't come. <laughs> yeah, I have to do I, my taxes. Uh, <laughs> and wash your hair, right? <laughs> we'll have to do a toga live bearded fruit where we all just wear togas. And no. Oh, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> I would totally be there for that. Um, actually, that's cultural appropriation of uh, um, Greek people. Oh, and that's another episode. I have yeah, a master's and degree so I can talk about this with authority. May 7th oh. if you don't drink. Hold on, uh, what? I'm doing a uh, Mr. Connecticut Bear skating to the 80s uh, in Vernon, Connecticut, Ron and Roll. Um, that place May, is actually open? May 8th. Yes, it is. I drive past it it's all a, the time. It's a Sunday, 4.30 to 6.30. It'll be fun. It'll be a great time. And there's no drinking. So if you're underage, come on over. So, Some roller skating? Roller skating. Yes. Yes. Middle school all over again. Not uh, roller skating. I, no, not <laughs> you don't have skating. to wear skates. Just okay, come. Okay, that's cool. The last time I went roller skating as an adult, an 11-year-old zoomed by me because I was going too slow because I'm terrible at it, and she was like, out of the way, fat ass. (laughs) (laughs) I am saying that every morning from now on. And I was like, and scene. So this was this I'm was two out. months ago? Is that what this was? <laughs> the end How dare you. Curb your enthusiasm. No, that was pretty much. It was, it was the worst experience. Um, so let's, to, to Tio, Mark, and Shona, thank you so much for being a part of the very first Beard of Live. Yeah. A very big round of applause. And thank you, the audience, for coming. Yeah, thank you so much for coming out. Applause for yourselves. So if you want to listen to this conversation again, which I know you do over and over and over again. I know I do all the time. And all of our other conversations, you can find Bearded Fruit um, on iTunes. We're on iTunes. You can subscribe to the podcast. You can also find us on Facebook at Bearded Fruit. You can find us on Twitter at Bearded Fruit Pod, and you can find us on the web at www.beardedfruit.com. We would love to find you in those other spaces that we exist in. Check out our other episodes. And if you enjoyed the conversation here tonight, uh, tell people that you had a great time and they should come to the next one. Uh, hopefully, our next one will be March 24th, I believe, and it'll focus on LGBT healthcare issues. And I think it's going to be a really like, lovely time. Um, so, from Neil and I. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I, well, I was going to tell them thank you and goodbye. Uh, okay. Yeah, so from... <laughs> that totally sounded like we scripted that nonsense. <laughs> like some hokey Marie Osmond. No, no, it was a yes and moment. Okay. Um, from both of us, thank you so much for being a part of our very first, first Bearded Fruit Live. Thank you three for coming and joining us. It was a really lovely time. Thank you. And, it's been a uh, pleasure. Yes. And find the episode. The episode, new episodes for the podcast come out on Sunday. So come and join us online in all our various places and uh, spread the word. My favorite Thank part you. about this experience is just everybody gets to see how much you do this while you talk. It's almost voguing. I mean, it really... <laughs> it's white dude voguing. Am, it's just like... I am, I am two inches away from duck walking. Like, yeah. <laughs> two inches away. Can you do uh, that at the next one where you go to the audience? Cody you're just like, live. <laughs> Wait, no. Okay, this is totally tangential and I'll probably edit out of the episode. Um, but jokingly, what, uh, our, another house manager at another event, we were kind of joking. And he said, what we'll do is I'm going to get a rolling chair so that I can actually duck walk while it's rolling. <laughs> <laughs> so that I can, like, live my, I can live my <laughs> ball fierceness. Um, because I cannot actually do that. I will break a thing. You turn <laughs> death drops into simply dropping dead. I would literally <laughs> drop dead. So, again, thank you all so much for coming. And uh, we'll see you next time, hopefully. Thank you. Yay. Thank you. You've been listening to Bearded Fruit, politics and culture through an intersectional queer lens. Now, if you enjoyed this week's episode, head over to our website, beardedfruit.com, to get more info about this week's show and to check out some of our other web features, like our weekly Ask a Dad advice column or our fruit stands section, 
which gives you ways to bring the bearded fruit conversation into your community. You can also connect with us on Facebook at Bearded Fruit and on Twitter at Bearded Fruit Pod. And if you have some feedback on this week's episode or questions to ask us or just want to share an idea for an upcoming episode, give us a call at 860-785-0633. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or find us on SoundCloud. And as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>